looks like the Pharisees were having a crisis of faith to me. So what I call a crisis of faith is when everything you believed in is turned upside down. And um, Jesus wasn't fitting into their box. He, uh, he wasn't fitting into their system. Ultimately, it was sin and jealousy, jealousy that was the Pharisees' demise. Uh, he was upsetting the religious system that they created for themselves. And really, that's where religion always goes off the rails, is when some religious leader makes it about themselves instead of about God. So we're going to focus about, on two main things in this passage. The first focus is a very practical one, uh, and that's Jesus' statement that I am the light of the world. And remember that in the book of John, there's seven I am statements. This is one of them. Um, and he's not just the light of the world um, in your heart or in your home or in your city or your county, your state, your country. He's the light of the world in Ukraine. He's the light of the world in Sierra Leone. And what uh, I'd like to show you for the first half of our time together is how we've seen God be the light of the world in Sierra Leone. So um, actually it was Karen and I went. It wasn't just she and I. Um, I want to introduce some people to you. Paul Nordland, sitting right here. His wife, Denise, son, Kevin. Paul uh, left uh, beginning of March with me and was there 10 days. He's an elder at Northwest Church, and uh, they've been a part of our MC in the past. Um, Eric Johnson uh, came about seven days or t after you left. Eric and I have been to Sierra Leone uh, three times together, and uh, he's married to his wife, Julie, and has three uh, grown kids. They live in Burien. Uh, Chip Haynes, Chip and Dina right here. Chip and Dina are one of the founders of this church. And uh, Chip uh, participates on Thursday mornings training the pastors in Sierra Leone uh, for their sermons. And uh, they've been lifelong friends. Uh, all these people uh, were part of the trip and generously helped us get there, including Karen and I. And they also helped fund a couple from Victoria, Caleb and Jenny Ray Davis, uh, someone to, uh, in Victoria also won. Also want to recognize Josh Olson. Yeah, I know, I'm getting there. He's not first. Kevin O'Connor has been there. Um, uh, Kyle um Randy Wyatt, Micah Sleeper, all uh, present or past uh, people that have been part of our church. And all these people were an answer to my prayer. So when COVID happened, we were kind of locked down in terms of what we could do to help the, uh, the pastors and the churches in Sierra Leone. And for those of you who aren't aware, so if you think of Africa like an ice cream cone that's tipped, Sierra Leone is on the westernmost uh, side of, of the ocean, of the Atlantic Ocean. It's about the size of Oregon with 9 million people. It's always rated about one or two on the UN list of uh, nations in poverty. If you think Blood Diamond, uh, where we uh, bought slaves and brought them to America, it was from that country where we repatriated uh, people back. It was that country. And um, Muslim is certainly the dominant faith there, and we've been involved there for about 15 years. Um, the way I got involved was when this church started, uh, when Bill Clem gave me the baton to this church, I realized, like, I'm in big trouble. I need help. And I called a guy that had spoken at Kelly's graduation and said, hey, I heard that after 14 years you want to give up 
I've only done this three months and I want to give up, so I think I need to talk to you. So I went down to a prayer seminar, and while I was there, he invited me to Sierra Leone. So I went with a bunch of pastors to Sierra Leone. We're traveling on a bus through the mid part of the country. We stop, we get out, we speak the gospel. Fifty people raise their hands to accept Jesus. We get on the bus and take off. A couple days later, I asked the guy, was that real? And he goes, well, I don't know, but they're all there the next day. I want to go to church, but there's no pastor. I said, okay, what will it take? And he said, 50 bucks a month. So I said, I'm in for 50 bucks a month. So as I've said many times, it's like taking a screw and putting it real close to your eye, and all you can see is the screw. When you back up, it's a 747. So that were the needs of the people in Sierra Leone. So we started the church, and after about three years, and we just did it in our MC, in our neighborhood, in our family. Um, but I heard that there was a church in, in Maple Valley that had also adopted a village very close to ours. So I went over there. They had started a 501c3 called the Bridge of Hope. That's the organization that we work under. So the Bridge of Hope is, um, and, and what, I said, look, I, I don't want to handle money. I don't know about wells and sanitation and healthcare and education. I'm kind of more focused on churches. And so they said, okay, we'll do all that stuff. You focus on churches. So that was a deal we brokered, and that's what I've been doing. Um, so if we can start with the slides, our trip started wonderfully, <laughs> Kyle got me a, a, an Alaska Pass into the Alaska Lounge, I was met by our pastor's wife, Darianne, unfortunately, as my luck always has it, um, the time I would get free alcohol, I'm going on a missions trip. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the first week we were there, oh, okay, before I get to the first week... <laughs> Uh, last Christmas, we raised, we had a goal of raising $2,000 for a well in Sierra Leone. We raised $9,000. That's one of them right there. That's the first church I went to on, uh, on that Sunday. And so, clean water to these people is unbelievable. So, talking about the death rate, you know, the, the uh, life expectancy is just barely over 40. I think um, 20, 25% of children don't make it till age 7. So clean water, it's huge, and it's one of the best blessings we can give. So I wanted to show you the, I wanted to get there and, and, and show you the, the well you put in. There's one more um, later. So, next slide. The first thing we did when we were there, Karen, and we've kind of tried to figure out how to do this because we didn't practice this. These slides are, you know, who knows what order. But, so she's going to just jump in any time. So the first goal as... Um, as I was laboring, thinking through, what are we going to do to help this country? Um, a friend said, we need a seminary. Well, Eric goes to the Gospel Coalition annual meeting and comes back and says, uh, let's do it. And so he gave me a phone number. I called the guy in Minneapolis. And next thing I know, Training Leaders International sent two people over there for a week to train our pastors, our staff, and, uh, and that's our... That's our, our building that we, we built. And uh, so there, that's the first of um, one class every uh, three times a year for, for three years. So those students have all signed a contract to be a part of this teaching. And year, we, uh, this first course was just to learn how to read the scriptures uh, with authorial intent. What were the words, what would the author and the spirit mean when they wrote those words rather than reading it and just uh, assuming you know what's there. That's what we're trying to teach uh, people there. And so um, these students have all signed a contract to essentially be committed for three years 
to then be used to tell people that Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, that's one of our classes. Next one. That's Micah, our, one of our lead pastors. He's been here at Soma School. Any of you have met him? That's, he's just showing you his contract that he signed. I'm in. Um, so, <clears throat> the second thing, reason we went there is to, uh, we've been working on for nine months to plant a church. So, church number seven. We have six churches, we wanted to plant number seven. And we kind of held off on planting churches. You know, you put a light bulb up in the middle of Africa, you'll get all kinds of people. So we, we wanted to strengthen our churches for the last years and then try to plant strategically. And because of Antioch School, uh, the training that uh, Justin Krobacher leads and Justin uh, Westcott has led, um, changed our whole strategy on how to plant a church. COVID shut all the churches down. We got on the radio and began speaking the gospel. And this village called Roboro said, please come plant a church. So we, we went out there. And this travel is uh, torturous. It's way farther than I expected. We went through a fire to get the first time I was there. I think, where in the world am I? How could there be people out here? Sure enough, we went there and uh, a village of about a thousand people, I think. So we went up, went out there. They've been doing the story of God for nine months. Genesis to the cross, just like we do here. It was very effective, speaking in their tending language, helping them understand the character of God from Genesis to the cross, the effect of sin, and why the cross, why Jesus died. So that's been happening for nine months. The Friday before uh, Karen got there, we went out and showed the Jesus video in Tendi in their language. Uh, a video, probably the first time any kids have seen a movie, out, uh, brought out power, brought a generator, the whole thing. The next night they went out while I was picking up Karen at the airport. Eric was there, yeah. Um, the next night we went out and uh, asked questions so they understood the gospel. Uh, why did Jesus come, come? What's different about his life? What's different about his birth? Why did they want to kill him? Why did he die on the cross? What does that mean? Trying to help create understanding from these people. And then on Sunday, after we had our church, our six churches met, we all went out there. Karen brought over a, a pool because we couldn't find anything in Sierra Leone to put the baptisms in. And uh, that's a picture of... Uh, Eric and I and Micah baptizing the chief of, of the Muslim village. He and all of his household were first in, in to be baptized. Awesome. And then 115 people followed. Yeah. And by the end of the 115 people, I'm, you know, I was tired after 20, so I, I'm calling for relief. Karen, come in. She's <laughs> baptized. Jenny Ray, Caleb, Eric, the pastors. Who are, you can baptize. <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, but it was a, it was a joy. Um, By the end of the time, you should see the water in that uh, baptism. I don't think anybody wanted to get in. Pure black. It was kind of a good representation of our sins being washed away because it was pure black. This is the chief's daughter, one of the, or one of the no, one of the chief's granddaughters that I kind of you know we kind of don't speak the same language, but. We, had some interpreters and helping it, you know, just kind of loving on the kids, but she too was baptized. So. so last Sunday was their first Sunday gathering, 219 people, one pastor, dirt floor, no Bibles, uh, no electricity. This is a picture of the video when we showed it that night. Um, uh, so, you know, pray for their, pray for the, the, that the gospel sinks deep in their hearts. When we come back in a year, or whenever we come back, uh, 
you know, you think the parable of the sower and um, what will be left. So our prayer would be that uh, that this the gospel takes hold in this village, and it's called Roadboro. Uh, Mike is driving out there uh, three times a week um, to do that. Pretty cool, huh, Paul? And the, the neat thing with the chief, Eric had some great interaction with the chief as far as talking to him about the gospel, right? And kind of leading him to work pretty much, right? Well, to the extent we could communicate. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. And so, so it is pretty cool how God, you know, can use all of us, even though there's a language barrier, and how, I mean, the chief of the village, it's pretty important for him to come to know Christ and what an example he was to the rest of the there's Paul uh, loving on some kids uh, in the village. They had a sporting event that we got to go and, and, uh, and witness. Uh, one of the other things we meant to do, uh, that's, that's the church of Roadboro before uh, the baptisms. So that's the story of God. So I don't know, counting how many people are there. And so Micah would, would uh, he takes the Soma story of God in English and he speaks it in Temne. And I can't understand a word he's saying, but I can look at the faces of the people there, and they are dialed in. Um, so very helpful. Um, <clears throat> one of our goals was just to strengthen churches. Um, and so that's Paul in one of the churches. Either somebody handed him that baby. Usually babies cry when they see a white guy. <laughs> that baby didn't, so I snapped this picture. <laughs> um, yeah, you can't, you can't keep the... From holding the babies, they're, they're beautiful. But we went to strengthen these churches. Uh, there's six of them. We went to all of them. The worship is amazing. They break out the music like yeah. you can't believe. It's like they, you're watching a musical on TV. And they just they're break dancing. Out the song. And you're yeah. trying to keep the beat. You know? <laughs> they're, they're amazing. Yeah. Um, there's a women's ministry. That's a picture of a school. Uh, so we built three schools. Uh, first one was called Macama, second one, Macumbo. Uh, the school of Macumbo is for junior high students, and junior high is really important, especially for girls. The literacy rate for girls is half of boys. So when this school was primarily built so girls could make it to school, mm -hmm. half of it is actually girls, half boys, but it's just begun, and so um, it's quite a quality place, and uh, we're just trying to hire qualified teachers. There's a, there's a picture of Soma Macumbo, and... Uh, <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Um, at the junior high, how um, it came about, we, uh, the Bridge of Hope sent a uh, brick-making machine over, and then they trained the Sierra Leoneans how to use a brick-making machine, and then we in turn bought bricks back from them, and that's how they built the school and our compound that we're in right now, and I mean, it was, it's pretty nice, and it was really cool to go to the junior high. They were doing their exams, and I'm telling you, those kids were on it. They were on it. If the teacher asked them, they would stand to answer. It was very respectful. They're all in their uniforms. I mean, it was really cool to see that they were doing their end exams, and it was like 12 subjects. It wasn't just like easy. It yeah. was pretty fun. This is they're taking a the test, and they moved their desks outside so they couldn't cheat. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty smart. <laughs> so there's 980 kids in school, okay? This is the pastors and their wives. We held a dinner for them, and we tried to teach them how to play Pictionary. <laughs> I tried to see. I tried to think of a game. You know, I'm not really a game guy, and so uh, we we did our best. Uh, but they had fun. Um, and uh, uh, let's see. So this is uh, every morning. Paul and Eric and I got to go at eight fifteen 
right by where we're sleeping, we could walk out and walk about 50 feet, and that's what we got to see every morning, them singing songs about Jesus. So these kids, um, this is the elementary school, and uh, if you notice the, the colors of the uniforms, I got right. to choose. Who picked the school college, Jeff? That was about 15 years ago, but um, uh, that school has grown. So that's the older kids, and then they have a nursery, and they, they have about that many, that's the nursery kids right there, and um, yeah, the teachers are... They just would sing songs, and then they had them start marching, and then they would just march right into their little classrooms, and there's like 45 kids in each classroom, they're tight-fitting, but yeah, they were just darling. We fun, uh, that's Paul, we got to go speak on the radio, um, so when COVID, like I said, shut down, the churches... Um, Daniel found an opportunity to speak the gospel on the radio. So every Sunday, uh, we get to go, and uh, I went, got to go there a couple times, and and that broadcast is in three countries. I have no idea what what who's listening, uh, their listenership, but it's beautiful. The Lord has provided uh, that kind of a venue, and it was through the radio that somebody in Roadboro said, hey, "Please come plant a church." Okay, that's uh, one of the churches in Macama. Paul again, and uh, one of the things we do, this is a, a women's ministry, we have a, a women's leader full-time, she works tirelessly every night, she has a Bible study in one of the churches, and she, we just got her motorcycle she, so she can travel around, this is uh, women, every day they come and she disciples them, but they're doing stuff, they're making stuff. This was, um, they do them some bead work because we're having a big event, a uh, fundraising event for the bridge here in a few weeks. And so they did all this beautiful bead work to be able to bring back. But this is kind of fun. That's them doing the bead work. The other one is one night we had a big women's ministry event where all the women's ministry leaders and their assistants from each church came and the pastors and their wives. And we served them. We had we served them dinner. We uh, did crafts with them. We decorated it. The, the little gazebo here, we decorated it all up. Then uh, we went in and we had a, a little like, clothing swap. I brought over tons of clothes, thanks to all of you. It was so much fun. Little gifts, gift bags that people had made here and, and right there. Paul's sister made those gift bags with journals. And I mean, it was just a blast. And the women had so much fun. And like I say, again, they just break out the song singing. So Christ Church is another church in Federal Way that sponsors one of the churches there. Um, we also have a nurse that we fund full-time, and so we found that person to be really valuable. She has a, a healthcare ambassador in every village, and so if you're sick, you can go to this healthcare ambassador. If that person, that kind of triage the need, goes to the nurse. If the nurse triages the need, then they go to the hospital. We pay for all of that. While we were there, to think about how tough life is, week number one, our lead pastor's brother dies. That takes him out. That goes to funeral, it's a big deal, right? Week number two, another pastor's brother dies. Week number three, our dentist that we employ, 40 years old, he died. All unrelated, nothing to do with COVID. The next week, a girl in the school, 10 years old, she dies. Uh, really from malnutrition, and then uh, while we left, there was a girl in the hospital with a, a massive infection that we tried to get uh, help for. So, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a rough place, uh, but these people talk about the joy of the Lord. That's my favorite person, that's the cook. Um, <laughs> she and I became good friends. Uh, <laughs> Fiona. Um, and Except she never 
figured out, Eric likes the hot food. Yeah. Jeff does not like the hot food. Every rice and chicken was spiced up. Yeah. Even when Eric left, I got I got spicy food. You know, like, so um, so uh, we also visited the prisons, uh, our a prison, and got to preach there to men and women. And uh, uh, Bridge of Hope uh, is the only organization that I know of that's going into the prison regularly. Um, some of you sponsored children there, and we went to every child personally at their home. We took them a bag of rice. We took them some of the uh, gifts that you sent, um, and so thank you for doing that. If you want to sponsor a child, it's 20 bucks a month. But that, that buys their school uniform, their school fees, uh, food every day. So all 980 of those kids get a meal a day. There's three cooks at every school. They cook over big bowls of rice, and we provide a meal for them every day. So, so right now, there's 560 kids that have sponsors. There's 900 kids in the school, so there's room for sponsorship. So if you're interested, you just go to thebridgeofhope.us. You, you click on you can pick your child, 20 bucks a month. Here's and, pictures of all of them. And yeah, I took the junior high kids didn't have sponsors, so I did all pictures for that and the nursery school kids. So if you want to do that, it's really fun. And then when we go over, if you want to take a gift, you get to go and bless them. We have a really uh, great guy named Amadou who is um, the kind of the child advocate for um, on our team. He is amazing with all those kids and he knows all of them, knows their history, is, just loves all those kids really well. we gotta, we got to burn through these okay. pictures. Yes, that's the hospital. Some, yeah, that's the little girl that was hurt. Right? <clears throat> we took her in to have her leg yeah. dealt with. Uh, yeah. Have to go outside by the medicine. There's a uh, Eric with one of, the, one of his children that he sponsors. Karen, Karen takes over Easter Bunny. I had the little girl with like ears, and they all give me such a hard time. <laughs> missionary, they, they said African kid wear bunny ears. Like, who does that? <laughs> I was thinking she was a little smaller than 13. <laughs> I just take a picture of that because that's uh, very common in Sierra Leone. They, they, uh, transportation is a luxury, and so they'll do these taxis and they just load them up with head pill. And on the top of that, because uh, if you go back to the top of that, is a goat. And I saw that goat up there, I'm like, I can, I can take that picture. Um, but the kids there are, are beautiful, um, the people are beautiful. I can't tell you enough good things about them. Um, keep going. Yeah, this is my favorite slide. So uh, I was there a week between when these two guys came there. So I was waiting by myself. And it was good. I got to spend some time with the Lord. But each of you wrote me a note. And every day I got to open that note and pray over you and be thankful. I pretty much started every day crying, thinking of all of you. And so I want you to know that we, uh, God glorified himself there. But you were a part of a big time. It would not have happened without you. And I want you to know that. So I've got six minutes to finish half the sermon. So <laughs> on behalf of the pastors, the people of the churches, the students in the seminary, the students in the Bible school, the prisoners in the prison, the people who heard the gospel on the radio, the 980 students getting an education, a meal every day, hearing the gospel in their schools, on behalf of the families that get clean water, people getting health care, the people now using toilets, the people who named Jesus as their Savior in the new church and were baptized, I want to thank all of you for your obedience and your call to make disciples. And why you may not have gone, I uh, wouldn't 
it wouldn't have been done without your support. So this isn't the only place where Jesus, the light of Jesus shines. Um, those people, as we, as we present the gospel, just like all of us, when you first heard the gospel, you experienced a crisis of faith, really. Like, I'm God, or I'm an accident of nature. There is no God. When you're presented with the truth that God loves you, you've got to deal with that. And that's what we faced in Sierra Leone. Um, um, everyone who's, you, you can also accept Christ and also have a crisis of faith. Okay? Jesus knew this. And that's from the quote that you see if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus knew that his disciples and us would go through life, and I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but have you ever woken up and go, God, are you real? Are you there? Is the work that I'm doing real? Are you speaking? What is the truth? I, I, that's happened to me more than once. Um, you know, I ask myself, am I, am I a fool to be sold out to Christ? I'm the only guy maybe on my street or at my work that would, would identify with Christ. I'm the outlier. So am I the one that's the fool? Um, am I just a weak person who needs to believe in a supreme being? Um, so I ask myself, what's true? Sometimes it's just when you're tired. Um, and uh, but living for Jesus isn't easy and sometimes I'm thinking there's an easier way so I love the fact that Jesus loved us enough to know that and speak these words to us so how I read this and if, I, if you want to know the truth like I do I think you think about the movie A Few Good Men he says I want the truth right? we want the truth and God says okay I'm going to give you the truth and here's how you can test it and he says, hold to my teaching, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the way I read those words, hold to the truth, I think I've got to hold to that truth mentally, emotionally, and physically. Okay? Um, I say yes to Jesus intellectually by reading his word and being devoted to it. The dose that I get on Tuesday, I need another dose of it on Wednesday, and on Thursday and Friday. That's holding fast to the word of God, to God's Jesus' teaching. Saying yes to Jesus emotionally is through prayer, through the Nourish Booklet. I sent Justin a picture of this little kid with the Nourish Booklet I took over there. I threw it away. I was coming home and I had an extra copy and I didn't have room and I tossed it in the garbage. And this little kid pulls it out of the garbage and brings it and we go through the Nourish Book together. So I can explain to him what it means to pray to God and that the Holy Spirit will, will teach him. And lastly, saying yes to, to God with our hands is, is getting off the couch. It's, um, you know, I said it today, that God doesn't spare a parked car. So if you want to know the truth of Jesus, if you want to know if his words are true, um, holding to his teaching is also engaging in his work. It's walking across the room, walking across the street, walking across the cubicle, uh, speaking his name, identifying with him, um, going out of your way to help somebody. Um, the trip to Sierra Leone was hard, and yet it was rewarding. And um, I could just say that by, by me saying yes to God in that way, my, strength, my faith is strengthened. 
I'm more steadfast in the truth of the gospel after in obedience, uh, allowing myself to be used by him. And I would think that other people could attest to the same thing. But you don't have to go to Sierra Leone. Just walk across the room, like I said. Um, this week, you know, we've always said at SOMA, uh, we're a relational church. So when we present the gospel to people, we do it through relationships. We love people. We make friends with them. We don't just hit them over the head with the Bible. Okay? We're not going to start doing that. But this week, as Justin mentioned, and, and uh, both Justins mentioned, it's Holy Week. People expect you to invite them to church. Take the time to do it. This is your week to, 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 to make a request when you think, I don't know you well enough to invite you to church. Just do it. Uh, if they say no, they'll say yes next year. So my encouragement is hold to, to his teaching with your head, your heart, your hands. And Jesus says you'll not only know the truth, but then you'll be set free. Well, what's that? What's it mean to be set free by the truth of God? Well, one way to say it would be we're set free of fear, set free of shame and we're set free of guilt good. those are the big three and so let me close by asking you this question are you a disciple and do you hold to this teaching how did I do did I get done in time <laughs>
who went to the cross, that you did that for us intentionally, um, that you hung on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins, for paid for something that we couldn't pay for ourselves, and you took that upon yourself, defeating death and sin. And so we are grateful, we celebrate your life, that death could not hold you. And so we take these elements in remembrance of that your body was broken for us and that your blood was shed for us, that we would have life eternally. Amen.